Amen. Good morning and grace and peace to you. Good to see you this morning. Again, I want to echo Mike's words about uh, Loop Festival. Encourage you to come out for that. Spend an hour or two even if you can't spend an evening and have opportunity to meet folks in the community and spread a little cheer and a little gospel and whatever, wherever God will lead us. That's where we want to go. So, uh, and if you can't make it, please, oh, please pray. Please pray about that. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. Prayer is vital to Christian life. We absolutely need it to connect with God, to combat the devil, to walk with the Lord, to accomplish His will. Paul urged in the Thessalonian letter to pray without ceasing. And I want to urge you to do the same, to pray without ceasing. Um, the song Don Let Us In, Come to the Garden. Uh, do you find joy when you pray with God? How is your prayer life? Or your life of prayer, as we've said before? How is it? Are your prayers being answered? Is anything happening? Or does it seem like God is just very silent and doesn't hear what you're saying or has not decided to answer you at all? You know, prayer is a, a very real thing. Uh, it's supposed to help us. It's supposed to accomplish something, as we're going to see. For many of us, and I, I'm not, you know, I don't point fingers here, but I do try to encourage, and that's what you do when you preach. You proclaim the word and convince, rebuke, and exhort. For too many Christians, prayer is just something done in a worship service. Or it's something done by someone else in a worship service, and I sure hope that's not the case for you. It's difficult for some. Some see it as simply a religious exercise of some familiar phrases to get yourself in the good graces of the Almighty. You know, like I said my prayers today. For some, prayer is a real burden. They just can't find the time that just don't have the desire to pray. It's missing from their daily life. shouldn't be that way. Prayer is your access to God to have him accomplish things in your life and in the life of other people. Pray without ceasing. We want to look at what it takes to have an effective prayer today. We're going to start in James 5, but we're going to talk about Elijah. In the time when he prayed it for it not to rain in Israel, and then for it to rain. And uh, some of these thoughts, some of these thoughts I got from a book I just read recently on prayer by John Eldridge. 
and not everything that I, you know, kind of agree with him on, but the insights I got on Elijah here, I thought were just great. And if you noticed, if some of this you'll remember, the article in last week's bulletin is about the same thing. I thought it was very important, the thoughts he brought out here. Let's read James. <clears throat> Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now everybody said, you know, well, Elijah was a prophet. Yes, he was. Okay. But James also says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he really wasn't any different from us when it came to prayer. You get the same nature as you. You got a heart, soul, mind, a body. A human being. So James is saying that our prayers should be as effective with God as Elijah's. The last phrase, or last sentence in verse 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I know a couple of the translations have that a little bit differently, but still the thought is the same. Effective prayer can accomplish much. This is something I think we sometimes really forget. There's a lot of good stuff in here if we just use our brains and our hearts. A prayer is supposed to accomplish something. Did you know that? A prayer is supposed to accomplish something. It might just be, I want to thank God for all my blessings. And so that's why you pray. You accomplish that. You want to praise God because of his glory and all of his goodness, and you accomplish that. But then when it comes to requests, whether it's for you or you intercede for someone else, you want to accomplish something. And I think part of the problem with some of our prayers is they're just too general and too broad. We just throw words around, and we don't focus in on what we want God to do. And I think Elijah is going to show us how to do this. An effective prayer that accomplishes something is one which focuses on a specific problem or situation. This is why it's going to take time to do it. And you're going to have to think about what you're doing and what you want God to do. It's not a casual thing. You're going to call God's attention to something, not that he doesn't know it already, and in fact, in, this, in Elijah's story, you're going to be amazed at how this 
how this works out. You're going to look at this problem from every direction in your prayer. It's going to become your passion, and you're going to be asking God specifically to do something, and you need to know in your mind and heart what that is. What do you want God to do? That's what he wants to hear from you. What do you want me to do for you? So, effective prayer is when your, your request lines up with the will of God. We read there in James, Elijah prayed that it would not rain, it did not. He prayed that it would rain, it did. All right? You might say, well, how do I know what the will of God is? You know, we pray about, should I move? Should I marry this person or that person? Uh, some of those kinds of things. Oftentimes, we don't know what the will of God is in those cases. But we do know what the will of God is and say, he wants all people to come to repentance and knowledge of the truth, right? I mean, that's written in the book. He wants all people to be saved, right? So if we're praying about someone being saved, we can know that is the will of God because he wants all people to be saved. So if you're talking about someone in your family or a friend of yours who's not obeyed the gospel, you can be sure that you're praying the will of God about that one. Or about your own self when you're having trouble with a, some kind of temptation, thing you can't seem to, to shake. You know God doesn't want you to sin, right? So when you pray about that, or you're praying about someone else who's caught up in some kind of a sin or problem like that, you know you're praying the will of God. Because God doesn't want you to sin. He doesn't want you uh, partaking in some of these uh, immoralities of the day, addictions and so forth. He doesn't want you in that. So you know you're praying the will of God. So you can just full speed ahead. Laborers for the harvest. We talk about that. Jesus specifically told his disciples to pray for laborers for the harvest. That's the will of God. You know it is. So pray for that. Pray hard, fervently. James talks about the effective prayer of a righteous man. He's not talking about a person without sin, but he is talking about a person who knows God, who is walking with God, who has no glaring faults. your prayers are going unanswered, and I'm just saying this, something may be amiss in your life. That's just something you have to face up. You might not see it yourself. You might need help. Get someone you trust to talk with you about what's going on with you. But he says the prayer of a righteous man need to be honest with yourself. You might even want to ask God to reveal to you what might be your problem with him, your relationship with him, some sin you don't see. It could be true. It does happen. 
And then it says that Elijah prayed earnestly. Some translations there have fervently. Earnestly. Fervently. Do we know what this is? And secondly, do we do it when we pray? That's passion. That's zeal. That might be sweat. That might be tears. You, when's the last, I don't know when the last time you did anything passionately. I'm not sure what your passion is. Whether it's some kind of sports, cooking. You know, when you do something passionately, it's like get out of the way. You know, get out of the way. This is what I'm doing right now. Don't stop me. Don't get in my way. This is what I want to do. And you'll spend money, you'll spend time, whatever it is, to accomplish that that's on your heart right then. That's passion. I think maybe sometimes our prayers fail because we're not passionate, not about the prayer, but about what we want God to accomplish. We just say, oh, you know, I'd like, I'd like for that person to be saved, but we're really not passionate about it, about that person about him or her. Passionate, earnest in the prayer. When you begin to focus in on that one person in on that situation and start praying for that and looking at that situation or person from every different angle, your passion will grow as you pray. God will help you do that through the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Okay, so that's the groundwork here. James talks about Elijah and his prayer. Now let's go back to 1 Kings, where we actually have the story. And look a little bit at the background, first of all. Elijah's prayer for rain. 1 Kings 17.1, first of all. And of course, Elijah is a prophet in the day of Ahab, primarily. We remember him being at odds with Ahab and Jezebel and the uh, had the, the contest on Mount Carmel with the Baal prophets and they called down the fire and those things and then he killed all those Baal prophets and ran from Jezebel. But in 17.1 it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as he was a king, As the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And we saw that in James. He says, Elijah prayed, and there was no rain for three years and six months. That's what he's saying. And, of course, this was from God. This was God's will. And it was part of the, if you will, punishment on Israel at the time to get them to forsake their idols and the Baals and come back to God. He did this, as you know, periodically when Israel strayed. And so they had this great drought, and it was Elijah who prayed that it would not rain. Now you might say, well, why did God not just cause the drought? Why did he have Elijah pray to cause the, bring about the drought? Couldn't God just bring about the drought? Well, obviously he could. But I think by using the prophet to pray, first of all, Elijah is exalted in the eyes of the people to understand he is really a prophet. He's a man of God. 
And secondly, for them to realize that the drought was just not a natural event that just occurred. That it really was the hand of God that brought about the drought. Because Elijah said to Ahab, by my word, meaning by the word of God, by my prayer, it's not going to rain. I think that's probably why God did it that way. There's a little saying by Augustine, which is true in many cases. I mean, we know that God can work alone, and he does. And he does, accomplishes millions of things on his own. And in regard to some things, Augustine said, if I can remember this right, without God, we cannot. Without us, he will not. And I think that's true in many cases. He's told us to spread the gospel, right? He's told us to pray. He has given us responsibility, privilege to work with him in the kingdom to accomplish great things. And so we have to do our part. Effective prayer is when man works with God to accomplish God's will. You know, when you're praying for God's will, it's going to happen. Go to 1 Kings 18. So it's not raining. It's been not been raining for three and a half years. Let's go to verse 41. I'm sorry. Let's go to 18.1. About missed the, the point. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Okay? So this is at the end of the drought period, in the third year. He says, you know, Elijah's kind of been hiding from Ahab, because you know Ahab wants to take his life, chop off his head probably, or whatever. He's been opposed to him. They've been enemies. But now God says, okay, don't be afraid. Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send the rain. Okay, the drought will be over. But again, the thing is, God just doesn't send the rain. Elijah must pray for the rain to come. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? This is the will of God. God says I'm going to do it. I'm going to send the rain. But it's not going to come, Elijah, until you pray for it. And that's kind of where we are. God says, I'll do all these things. I want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. But I am not going to do it until you pray for it. Until you do what you need to do to accomplish it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So let's look at Elijah's prayer. 18, 1 Kings 18, and down to 41. So he's shown himself to Ahab, and it says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. I don't know, you know, 
think a lot of people thought Elijah was a little bit crazy, you know, man of God out there. Were the, I think he was looked a little bit like John the Baptist in the way he dressed. Touched in the head, as we would say. He says, I hear the sound of a heavy shower in his head, probably. But what this indicates is faith. He's been told by God that God is going to send the rain. He has appeared to Ahab, which God said for him to do, and so he's saying it's going to rain. It's going to rain. So here is faith. Believing that God will do what God will say has said he will do. Believing that God will do what he has written in his book that he wants to be done. That's what we need to believe. Those kinds of things. Like we said, people to be saved, laborers for the harvest, resist temptation, glorify God. Those kinds that we know that's the will of God. Those things we need to pray full bore. Next verse. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, that's where he had just been with the prophets, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knee. I've never heard anybody say, this is a position for prayer. Have you? This is a position for prayer. Crouching down on a ground with your head between your knees. Maybe some of you can't do that. Why would he do that? He's, he's on that mountain alone except for his servant, his servants with him. I think that is, he does that to remove all distractions. He can't see anything and he probably can't hear anything else. If he's got his head between his knees. He is focused on this prayer. And that ought to teach us a lesson right there. There was nothing else on Elijah's mind and Elijah's heart right then except praying that it would rain. That was it. No distractions. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm going to this mountain. This is why I'm like this. I want it to rain. And I know it's the will of God that he's going to send rain. Now that's a prayer position. No distractions. Some of you have seen the movie. What was it called about prayer? Prayer, prayer room. War room. The lady had her little closet. Shut the door, went in there, things on the wall. That's where she prayed. No distractions. No distractions. This is prayer. Okay. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray sometime driving down the street in your car. We saw last Sunday night about two of Nehemiah's different prayers in different situations. But when you've got something you really want to be accomplished, something on your heart, your passion, then this is prayer. 
you're finding a place, you're finding a time, you're making a time to pray about that thing. Forty-three. He said to a servant, so he's, he's prayed once, all right? Go up now, to look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. So he's looking for clouds, as you see this, as this unfolds, some evidence of rain. So he's prayed, but in all of this, we're not told how long he prayed, okay? Nor are we told his words. You have to fill in the blank and think about what he might have said and how long he did it. I don't think he just said it one time and it was over in a minute. That would be my guess, my opinion. But he's praying expectantly, right? He sends his servant, go up and look. Did anything happen yet? What do you think about that? Do we pray expectantly? Do we look for something to happen? Or after we pray, did we just go about our business? That's a prayer of faith. I pray expectantly. Go see. Did it rain yet? Is there any clouds? No. None. What do you say? There's nothing. And it says, and he said, go back seven times. That would mean seven more times. He did the same thing. Head between his knees, he's praying for rain. Go up and look. No, there's nothing yet. Back to it. Could you pray like that? Expectant? Fervently? Expecting? Faith? It's going to happen? Something's going to happen? This is a prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is a prayer. This is how you do it. Finally, 44, came about at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. There it was. There it was. I don't know how long Elijah was there or what he said, but he prayed fervently. He knew it was the will of God that God said, I am going to make it rain when you show yourself to Elijah. But still, he had to pray to bring that about. And he had to pray like this to bring it about. Fervently expectantly. How long? Eight times anyway. He's praying. The little cloud comes up out of the sea. It reminds me of the parable, and we're not going to turn there, that Jesus and the, the judge and the persistent widow, she was being uh, abused in the courts, and she says, give me justice, and the judge says, yeah, go away, leave me alone. But she kept coming back and coming back and coming back to the judge and said, I want justice. I want you to do what's right by me. And he finally said, okay, you're wearing me out. I'll do what you want me to do. And then Jesus goes on to say, but God's not like that. 
Because he wants us to pray. He wants us. We are his children and he's our father. But still we must do our part. We must connect with God in our prayers. Fervently, earnestly. Middle of 44, and he said, go up to Ahab, prepare your chariot, and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. The rain came because it was the will of God, but the rain also came because Elijah prayed. And he prayed earnestly and he prayed fervently up there on that mountain. And he prayed expectantly, looking for something to happen. Prayed in faith. So I want us to notice that it was no easy thing for Elijah when he prayed. He spent time there. Even though He knew it was the will of God that rain was going to come. It was no easy thing in Elijah's prayer. It took time and effort to bring that about. Let's go back to James 5 to finish up. And I'm just going to read it. And I hope you got insights into prayer like I did when I studied this. About the will of God and connecting with God. Yet we need to pray fervently and earnestly. But this is prayer. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. We have to believe that. Believe it. But again, what is it you want to accomplish? Elijah had one thing on his mind on that mountain, and that was that it would rain. That was all. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth, for three years and six months. Wow. He prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Effective prayer. I'm here to say this morning you can do it. Of the same nature as Elijah, but we need to pray like Elijah. Do you need prayer this morning? Things happening in your life, struggles, problems, we'll be glad to pray with you. If you're not a Christian this morning, and we can help you obey the gospel. Maybe you don't understand the gospel, we can talk with you about it. If you want to respond this morning to the Lord's invitation, please come while Brother Don leads us. <laughs>